to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose uh, and our series Parables and Object Lessons. And uh, before we get going... uh, Oh, by the way, this is program number 33 for you, uh, for your reference. And before we get going, Susan, would you open the program with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Loving Father in Heaven, thank you once again for an opportunity to um, discuss the principles and how you've laid life out. And not only that, but for your example in your human life and how you live those principles out in your daily life that we may look upon them and, and take them to be a part of our own character. Please be with us today as we discuss um, just those principles and, and how to carry them out. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I noticed in your prayer you said principles several times, and I think what we're going to talk about today, even though we're we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan, um, this is a very principle-based parable uh so your prayer is very applicable here because um the principles that jesus is always illustrating and what he's trying to convey to us is he wants us to be healthy he wants us to get well you know because we're selfish Mm -hmm. and so that's what he's after i mean think about it so uh before we get going today's program is based on luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37 but if you think about what had gotten lost sight of in humanity because in among the Jews in Christ's day just the simple question who is my neighbor caused a lot of confusion you know to the to the Jews there was no doubt about the heathen and the Samaritans they obviously weren't their neighbors they were their strangers they were enemies to them and so they, they kind of broke people into classes so that so this question kind of who's my neighbor just just in and of itself they couldn't really answer you know, what about people of their own nation and among different classes of society? Who should the priest, the rabbi, the elder, who should they regard as their neighbor? You know, they spent their lives in rounds of ceremonies to make themselves pure. You know, uh, they they did all these things so that they could be isolated and pure, you know. Right, and, because they believed that contact with ignorant and regular people um, would cause them to be defiled. Sure. And so um, it would take a lot of effort to remove that defilement if that was to happen. And so they regarded people who were unlike them as unclean. Unclean. Right. Right. Um, and, and interesting because, and, and this is a question that Jesus answers in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember Paul's vision with the sheet? Remember that? God was doing the same thing. 
I'm sorry, did I say Paul? I mean Peter's vision. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Peter's vision with the seat sheet. God was doing the same thing. Right, because that, he had he was one of those spiritual leaders. He was right. a Jewish leader, and so he had that fallacy thought about yeah, when, other when, people. When, yeah, when when God and God said you know, that, that vision had nothing to do with food. Right. Jesus told Peter that they weren't to call any man common or unclean. See, God's trying to show us that our neighbor doesn't mean just a member of the church or faith which we belong. Our neighbor is every person who needs our help. Our neighbor is every soul who is wounded and bruised by the adversary. Absolutely. Our neighbor is everyone. And as Jesus was teaching, he said, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to in- to inherit eternal life? Because the Pharisees had posed this question to the lawyers so that the lawyer would ask Jesus in hopes that they might entrap Jesus in his words. And so everybody was listening very eagerly for his answer. But Jesus turned it around and he answered the question with a question. And he drew the answer from the lawyer instead. Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How, how do you read this? How do you read it to be written in the law? Yeah, because and it, was a, it was a great uh, question that Jesus asked because the Jews had accused Jesus of taking the law given from Sinai lightly. So Jesus turned the question about salvation into the keeping of God's commandments. And of course, the lawyer answered, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. Right, because the lawyer had answered with the two great principles on which all, hang all the law and, all, and everything that the prophets have ever said. Jesus commended him for his answer, which placed Jesus at an advantage in the discussion because he had been accused of disregarding God's law, like you said before. Yeah. And so Jesus said, this do, and you shall live. Yeah, and see, and, and so really what was nice was it was summed up in the, in the principles of the Ten Commandments, the two great principles of, see, and, and Jesus, he always presented the law as a divine unity. In other words, showing it's impossible to keep one law and break another. Because the same principle runs through all of them. Man's destiny is going to be determined by his spiritual health. Are we healthy or do we spread infection? Do we spread fear? Are we healthy people or are we not? Right, because healthy people don't hurt other people. And that's all the commandments are about. It, 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 you know, the first four say, don't take from God, and the last four are don't take from your neighbor, because healthy people don't take. That's exactly right. And, that, and that's the principle that Jesus is trying to illustrate. See, what are the commandments? If you break them down, if you look at them, you know, if we change glasses and, and if we don't make them so much authoritative and we make them more like, uh, it's a health issue, mm-hmm. and it's going to change you into someone that you don't want to be. In other words, the commandments really are, is let's go from 6 through 10, don't take your father and mother's reputation, don't take your neighbor's life, don't take his stuff, don't take his reputation, don't take his wife, and don't even think about taking. That's the last six commandments. Just don't take it. Don't be selfish. Don't live selfishly or you'll change yourself. Right. And I think that that's that that is something. So a lot of times we can look upon 
um, like a certain class of people and we can see that. And I know that because I was of that certain class of people, right? Being a, being a practicing uh, drug addict and, and alcoholic and everything else, you, you, uh, you know, I know in my own life, all I did was take, I could never, I could not, I got to the place where I could not contribute anything to life, that I was like this parasite sucking off of everything um, and, you know, those of you out there that are addicts or if you have family members that do struggle with addiction, you can recognize that um, it's kind of like the um, the bind, the things that are that are supposed to bind um, an individual together to do right and wrong are totally loosed. And yeah. there is just like this um, un- unleashed uh type of person that will just go and just will take, take, take. You know, you once told me you told lies a lot. I told lies even Why? when I didn't have when to When you tell didn't have to lie. because you were a liar, see? Right, And exactly. we train ourselves to be liars and right. we train ourselves to be, That's by the way, that's bare false witness, and we train ourselves to be takers and that's who we become when we train ourselves right, to that. Right, because I think that it's like a human frailty i think we all have it to a certain extent is we always want people to think a certain way about us and so we're always trying to frame what we think the picture of who we are is to other people maybe a little and i and i thought that i actually had control over what people thought of me by what i did and what i said what you said you did or what what i presented my picture you presented painted of whatever situation it was right and everybody i probably just thought i was a looney tune well sure that's what happens i mean you know, that's just the way things happen. Well, because, you know, the reality is, is that um, we don't become healthy in our own strength. And Jesus knows that it's only through a relationship with God. And that's the first four commandments that enables fallen, um, sinful human beings to love God with our whole hearts and then in turn to be able to love other people. Well, you know, yeah, you take the authoritarian spin off the Ten Commandments and you read the first commandment that this is thou shall have no other gods before me mm-hmm. as therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Because I, I guarantee you, you put another God before God and you're going to lower your mental capacities and your spiritual capacities. So it's not, it, it, it's cause and effect. You know, a relationship with God, a, 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 a relationship with God and putting him first Keeping the last six, comm- six commandments are a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. They're as a result of that. Right. So he starts off with saying, look, it put me first and all kinds of wonderful things will happen. Mm-hmm. You will become healthy mm-hmm. if you put me first. That's all God's saying. Well, and I think that that's why when you, you know, when Jesus is, I think it's in the book of John where he, where he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. So as we look upon Jesus' life and we see how he has acted towards humanity and towards God, um, you know, you can see where he's, he, it's, he's, he is that giver. He yeah. never, ever takes in his whole life. He's never taking anything. He's always in that position of wanting to give the very best for everybody he comes in contact with. And I, so that's a great picture of who God is. is it, you know, doesn't God he is, paint a beautiful picture of God? And right. he is the life giver. giver. Right. Not the life taker, the life giver. Right. Right? Who's the author of death? The devil. Right. Right? So Jesus is the life giver. He's painted such a beautiful picture of God. If we just look at the life of Jesus, we will see God. Right. And that's the fascinating thing. So so 
Jesus bringing this this uh, law into the question, mm-hmm. and of course summarizing it in the two principles: love God with all your heart, and as a byproduct, you will love your neighbor as yourself. Right. He encapsulates the Ten Commandments, and then they they don't have anything on him, right? They, because now he's brought that into view and say, "Yeah, that's that's the real deal." Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they couldn't trap him. So the lawyer asks another question, and am I, is is this not a third grade question? Right. But this is what happens when you get so steeped into into a religion that is corrupt and divisive. Right. So the the lawyer asked the question, "Who is my neighbor?" And again, Jesus referred to be uh, refused to be drawn into controversy. So he answered the question by telling the parable. A certain man, he said, went down to from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Right, and when taking a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, a person had to pass through a piece of wilderness of Judea. And the road led down a wild, rocky ravine, which was a great place for thieves to attack people and rob them. With this situation, Jesus paints the perfect scenario. Uh, and so he says, and so the in the parable, the traveler is attacked, stripped from all that is valuable, and left half dead by the wayside. As he lays there, a priest came that way. He saw the man lying, wounded, bruised, and bloody, but he left him without helping him. The Bible says he passed by on the other side. And then, of course, a Levite appears, and, you know, curious to know what happens. He stops and he looks at the victim. But he was probably at this time convicted of what he ought to do, but what he ought to do seemed to him probably not too pleasant. Right. He probably wished he hadn't come that way at all, so that he would have never had to seen the wounded man. But he convinces himself that the situation is of no concern of his, and he passed by on the other side as well. Okay, and so you said he convinces himself, which is which is interesting, because have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation that you're convinced you should help, but then you reason your way through the situation, maybe worried about getting sued, maybe like in this case it might be a little dangerous— and we reason our way, we convince ourselves that, you know what, this, I'm too is, busy. this is not really my gig anyway. This is, you know, I've been there. I think we've all been there. Absolutely. Yeah, it happens. You know, I was, before you started um, talking about the parable, I was thinking about the position that they were trying to put Jesus in and the way that he tells this story with everybody in the audience. Yeah. That he's, you know, he's talking about, the priest and the Levi, and yeah. then he brings up— He's calling them out. Then he's, he brings up the solution of the parable, and he said, But yeah. a Samaritan traveling the same road sees the guy and does this work that the others had refused to do. Right. With gentleness and kindness, he ministers to the wounded man. When he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast— and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two pence and he gave them to the host and said, said to him, take care of him, and whatever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay you. So so this Samaritan he guy, he goes all the way. All the he way. He just doesn't bandage no que- him up and set him on a rock and say, hang out, somebody will be by here. No questions goes, asked, you know. You know, they. Te- uh, I've been through CPR training, and that's what they teach you, too, is if you're going to go, 
if you're going to determine you're going to participate and perform CPR on this person, you go all the way. You do CPR on them until the paramedics show up. You got to be prepared to do that. And so in your mind, you know, helping is helping is going all the way. Right. And so this guy was prepared to go all the way. Not only that, but he gives the guy money and he says, hey, if I owe you, uh, when I come back, you know, I mean, he he did it 110%. He left nothing, um, no gaps, no loose ends. Right. Yeah. I mean, really, that's interesting. Right. So the priest and Levi both professed to be very virtuous, but the Samaritan showed that he was truly converted. It wasn't any more pleasurable for him to do the work than for the priest and the Levite, but in his spirit and in his works, he proved that he was in harmony with God. Oh, I like the way you put that, in harmony with God. In other words, in harmony with the way God does things, in harmony with the way Jesus showed us how things work, you know? Because we don't, well, hopefully, we don't do good work so that God will love us. We do good works as proof that we've accepted that love that he's had for us. Mm -hmm. We don't forgive so that God will forgive us. We forgive as a byproduct of accepting his forgiveness. What did Jesus say to Simon? He who is forgiven much loves much. But there's people who don't want that forgiveness, who can't accept that forgiveness, and in turn they can't forgive themselves or others mm-hmm. you know it's a reciprocal thing but it starts with god always and are we able to trust him are we willing to look at him and what he says at face value and say yeah what he's saying applies to me and i can accept that right can we look at jesus and say you know what i i, I like that mm-hmm. you know you're right can we can we go basically all the way and be able to say i too want to have that forgiving heart and can I let go of my own resentments and my own anger to um, allow somebody the same opportunity that Jesus already provided for me? Well, it's it's interesting that you, you mentioned that because, see, we do like to play God. We mm-hmm. do like to determine whether or not he can forgive us. Well, and we like to, I think we like to determine other people's motives. Oh, yeah, other people's motives or whether they they deserve forgiveness or they they Or if deserve, they're really what, sorry or yeah, if they yeah. aren't sorry. Because and, we all took the course Mind Reading 101. Every one of us have taken that course. We all try to read minds, don't we? Right. Yeah, and we also try to speak for God, too. Very uncomfortable about that. Right. Um, so that's what reality is all about, is when we're working in harmony with the way that God does things or the way he doesn't do things. So would heaven be a good place for us, or would it be torture? Mm. It would be tor- It would have been torture for the priest or the Levite to help that, this guy out. So that's a key. Yeah, right. they, they, they showed they didn't want to do that. It wasn't in their DNA. It mm-hmm. wasn't in their makeup because they had, they had not fed that nature of loving other people. So they had set themselves separated. They, they had a self-centered religion. Everything that, okay, I can't touch him. I might defile myself. I can't, you know, do this. I might defile myself. And so it was all self-centered, not other-centered. So it would have been torture for them to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a bad attitude about their neighbors. And, you know, there'll be no bad attitudes in heaven. Right. And I can remember... I can remember when I first got clean and sober, I had been so self-centered in such darkness that when we went over to people's houses to have Bible studies, it was like torture to me. Mm-hmm. It was weird because it was like, I can remember saying, you know, hey, uh, 
I don't want to come back here. I, you know, these are these people aren't my friends, and you know, I, I don't, I don't fit in. And God is gonna, you know, He doesn't want us to be uncomfortable or where we don't fit in. Right, but you know, you know what? And so I think that you know, just on that same vein, when you're working with people, recognize that some people need to have, you know, it, being around other people is not your strong suit. Yeah, but and that's okay. But at when we're working with people, we need to continue, you know, those people never gave up on us and they're still our friends these many years oh, yeah. down the road. We think about Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. He was uncomfortable meeting Jesus during the day. Mm-hmm. So what did Jesus do? He he accommodated him. Right. Is that right? Right. Yeah. And, and so I think what I'm trying to say is don't ever necessarily give up on somebody oh, no. who's having a hard time or seems to to not fit in. It takes it takes a while when you've been so immersed in the darkness to be able to accept the light and to come to the light. It, it takes time. Or even time. just even just in habits of, of doing other habits or other things, you know. Um you have to get acclimated to a new way of life, if you will. It just doesn't happen instantly. Right. So when Jesus gave this lesson, he's presenting the principles of the law in a direct and aggressive way. He's showing his hearers that they had been neglected to carry out these principles. His words were so definite and pointed that the listeners couldn't find a reason to object. Even the lawyer couldn't find anything in the lesson that he could criticize. Wow. But but at the same time, he couldn't or he hadn't overcome his national prejudice yet to the point where he was able to even verbally give the the Samaritan credit by name. Remember, Remember what the guy says. He says, when Jesus asked, which now of these three do you think was the neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? He answered, he that showed mercy on him. Right. He wouldn't even say the word Samaritan. It's like it's a dirty word to, the, to him. Right. You know? And so th- I thought that was really interesting uh, aspect of it. Right. But I, And I think that Jesus sees us where we're at. And so basically he told the lawyer, you know, go and do likewise. Show mm-hmm. the same tender kindness to those in need. And by their fruits, you shall know them. Their fruits will show if, if they are healthy people. And imagine what that sounded like to the lawyer. Go and be like the Samaritan. Oh, that must have blown his mind. Go and be like the go dog. Be, yeah, go right? be like the Samaritan. Go be like the person you hate. Go be like the person who you think is a lower class. Because he's demonstrated in his life the fruits of the Spirit. That's right. And that's all. It, in other words, this person has is, is growing up. Mm-hmm. He's becoming healthy. He's healthy enough to help someone else. See, unhealthy people can't help other people. They just can't. It's not in their DNA. They don't know how. They, they haven't. You know, you learn to do math by doing math. Mm-hmm. You learn English by doing English. And believe it or not, you learn to love by loving. You learn to care for people by caring for people. The Ten Commandments are basically a teaching tool. Mm-hmm. Remember, Jesus says, don't even think about adultery don't even think about taking your neighbor's wife don't even think about don't be angry at a person you know don't even think about it you're changing yourself right because the things that we practice we become we become we become we've said it before in this program if you're sitting there thinking angry thoughts you're teaching your brain to become an angry brain if you're jealous you're teaching and and the worst one is resentments right if you have resentments they're occup- they're living rent free up in your brain changing your brain into a hating resentful person and you know and so sometimes it has to start with god help me to have a forgiving heart help god me. help me to god i don't want to pray for this person but 
I've heard that that's what works. So yeah, help me yeah. want to pray for this person help me that wanna, I can't stand. Help me want to get well. Right. Help me want to get well. Remember, Jesus asked him, what, do, what is it you want? He asked the blind man, what is it you want? Blind man says, I want to see. Jesus, I can help you with that. Right. I can help you with that. But, but only we can answer the question when Jesus comes to us and asks us what we want. Right. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made 100% well? That's for each of us. That's for each one. I can't answer it for Susan. Susan can't answer it for me. Jesus is asking each one of us, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be able to take care of people? Do you want to be that kind of person? If you don't, pray to me right now, and I'll help you Mm -hmm. to want to do that. Right. You know? Uh, Folks, you can get a hold of us at www.justasiamministries.com. Drop us a line. We have resources there. We have good stuff. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 